Pursue your purpose, speak your truth, deal with adult bullies, cope with failure, live beyond fear, establish values, set boundaries, move past trauma. These are all the themes in my Amazon bestseller, The Smart Girls Handbook. Tribers, get in close. For 15 years, I have been searching for a book that didn't exist. So I am thrilled to share that I decided to write it. The Smart Girls Handbook is available to buy now from wherever you get your books and also in Canada, the United States of America, New Zealand and Australia. Everything we do is a response to something you have asked for and girl have you been begging me for a book for years. Who is it for you? The reviews are outstanding, the press has been phenomenal and I am overwhelmed by the amazing support it has had already. This isn't my book but our book. I realised after my talks around the world women would be queuing for hours just to ask me one question. I didn't want them to just walk away but to have a tangible source to have forever and this is it. This is refreshing, never before read content that will inspire, motivate, empower, inform and entertain you. It's full of my personal development tips that have got me living as my most authentic and highest self, literally glowing from within. My most vulnerable moments and hilarious stories that will resonate with you. The Smart Girls Handbook is a celebration of womanhood and the book missing from your library. So grab your copy today, tag me on Instagram at smartgirltribe and I will send you an exclusive gift just to say thank you. Hello Tribers, it is very difficult to discuss certain topics as an adult that you have been conditioned along with the rest of society to be silent about. When it comes to women's sexual well-being and pleasure, we carry a lot of guilt, shame and silence around with us. Being innovative, forward thinkers at Smart Girl Tribe, where we test the waters so you don't have to, we thought for National Orgasm Day, we would call in the expert, Satisfiers Director of Education and Clinical Certified Sexologist Megwin White to discuss sex culture, false narratives, why it is important for women to own their own pleasure how women are encouraged to believe that their bodies are not their own, the masculine gaze and our relationship with our virginity, paradigm shifts you need to understand about sexuality, the most common orgasms, questions to ask yourself to tune in more with your sexuality on a very authentic level and blocks to women's sexuality. Hi Megwin, thank you so much for coming on to the Smart Girl Tribe podcast today. It's great to have you. Could you just start off by explaining to our audience, please, how you got into this industry? Sure. So I'll just first start off by saying that my current role is as the director of education for a sexual wellness brand named Satisfier. Um, and so prior to my role here, I was really focused on being more of what, what I would call a somatic guide or an embodiment guide, specifically around empowering both men and women, but I think I would say predominantly women on the power of their uh, sensual embodiment to actually activate um, uh, awareness and being able to be more empowered, whether it's in front of groups or whether it's just inside of relationships. Um, and within that, I had studied for many years in the body. So I studied yoga, Pilates. Um, I did a lot of anatomy training and then went on to do a kind of very intensive form of body work. Um, and then from that, 
I evolved my work into more of like a self-care type of approach. Um, and a lot of it was also inspired by my own desire to heal my own experiences with sexual trauma um, that I had experienced as a child. So I would say that that in a way had also inspired that kind of drive to really want to understand that power of sexual energy. Um, so I've been very lucky to have had many different guides and teachers along the way. And um, I would say that I'm someone that is especially inspired by understanding the intersection between science, but also in a way the spiritual, sort of where that where those two things align. And so now my work with Satisfier is really to help empower people on how to use these really incredible sexual care devices, not only to have orgasm, but also as a way to ground more into uh, themselves and to really activate and empower the connection of expression um, and, and, and to really destigmatize, you know, sexuality, which is something that, you know, we, we're gonna, I know we're gonna get into in our talk. Um, but through empowering people, especially on just the, the miraculous nature of our sexual organs. And, you know, just one thing that was, was always just such a huge kind of an awakening experience for me was to really understand that my sexuality was, was uh, kind of at the root of my nervous system and my brain. So I truly believe that the more we can empower people to connect in whatever way feels comfortable will actually allow us to feel more rooted and confident in really the miracle of the body. You know, mm -hmm. it's just such a miracle that we have this opportunity to exist as flesh and blood and get to communicate and interact with each other. Um, so, you know, so that's kind of it in a nutshell. So you have a bit of a sense of sort of where my inspiration comes from. Wow. Now, Esther Perel said that a woman's sexuality is the opposite to her social role. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I believe what she was referring to there was, you know, really in regards to as women, we tend to be, you know, put into the nurturer role. Um, and so there's a lot of output in terms of caretaking and, you know, just really just making sure every, everyone else is okay before we take care of ourselves. Um, but when it comes to sexuality, you know, I would say I would agree with Esther Pro in a lot of ways, although I don't think anything it's like, you know, exactly true or mm -hmm. for everyone, but in that a woman's sexuality is so robust and actually requires her to become a little more selfish, you know, and to really indulge in, in asking for more and asking for, you know, whatever her desires are in the moment, and to also embracing the fullest expression of her sexuality. In, in, in that includes the kind of wild, uh, maybe not so pretty expressions, like when we think about the O face, the orgasmic expression, um, it's not exactly a picture, you know, maybe what you want your, your headshot to be, right? Mm -hmm. The O face, 
But really, what we've now seen is that that type of primal expression is really about us rooting so deeply into that interconnected experience of where our sexuality meets our expression. And inside of that, I think a woman processes a lot as a woman is able to recoup from, some, from all that output, you know? And so it's very important, whether she's with a partner or whether it's just purely, you know, individual practice, that she gives herself permission to, to embrace all that comes with the experience of sensuality, um, but primarily that she take space, you know, within herself. Um, and I think that kind of balance that we start to learn with, uh, with sexual exploration then can positively impact the relationships that we have in life because, you know, we can then actually be more uh, solid, but also be more clear in what our no, you know, might be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's a great answer. And why do you think talking about sex as a woman is so important yeah I think it's I think it's very important because just in and of itself being able to talk about sex without necessarily feeling that stigma and shame the more and more you do it the more natural it becomes um obviously whenever we hide something whenever we put something kind of like you know relegate it sort of to the basement of our awareness that darkness actually uh, facilitates a kind of shaming you know and so i think times are really changing women i think in general for the most part i think in maybe more in the western cultures do feel safer to talk about sex and feel more empowered to do so Um, It also gives people that you're speaking to the permission to also share, you know, in their experience, because obviously conversations are dyadic. So we learn, you know, through not only our experiences, but the experiences of others. And what we'll find, I think, along this journey is that so many others probably have similar kinds of experiences or similar insecurities when it comes to sexuality. And so it's very important um, that just, you know, uh, within your own intimate circle that we have these conversations. And then, of course, on a larger cultural sort of landscape that we have these conversations um, because it's what creates change. It really is. It's, um, you know, as we spark these conversations, we start to look at things differently. We start to you know, really shift in our perspectives and hopefully change things for the younger generations. It's not going to be so shameful to talk about the body. I I have honestly dreams that like eventually, you know, we'll have more comprehensive sexual education, but also comprehensive education on the body itself. You know, we really live inside this just miraculous body and we really have very little knowledge of how it works and how we can manage um, different kinds of emotional experiences and how we can maximize on what we've been given, you know, inside of the body. I think that we there's ways to do that, you know, that is not dogmatic, but that really just is introducing people, hopefully just to... Um, to developing more awareness and to becoming more empowered 
specifically through the experience of the knowledge, you know, that can come. And uh, I know that like in the U.S., you know, um, my boyfriend has a seven-year-old and I know that in his school, he doesn't even have P.E., anymore physical education is what we call it so there's no there there, it's or or art and so we're really cutting out these essential um uh aspects i think to what it is to be human and focus so much on the mind and so i think women in particular are key players in helping to shift this perspective and the number one thing that we can do in our own lives is to embrace our sexuality because that's where so much of this all begins that's where we all come from and uh you know there's really no shame in it i think on the conscious level we know that but we're all still working through right those those programs and um uh maybe from our childhood or maybe from you know wherever we receive them yeah amazing and how do you think we can empower younger women to own their sexuality why is it important for women to own their own pleasure god I think that there's so many ways that we can I think first and foremost is to you know again have those have those conversations and to um, really giving women the opportunity to share their stories, you know, within more public context as well. Like I mentioned that I have my own experience of sexual trauma that comes with its own stigma oftentimes too. And that's something that I really focus on breaking because for instance, a lot of people think that when you have those experiences that you're sort of relegated to uh, kind of experiencing a kind of precipitate trauma over and over and over again. And what we've really found is that a lot of times we can alchemize these experiences and actually grow from them and hopefully change, you know, the systems and the structures that, um, that, you know, that cause more of this kind of thing to happen. Um, I think that, you know, we really need to look at uh, also how women are depicted, you know, in terms of culture and media. You know, unfortunately now a lot of people get their sex education either from, you know, porn or the movies or, you know what I mean? That there's, there's very, um, uh, there's again, very little comprehensive sexual education happening. And so I think we just need to break that wall down. There's really nothing to be ashamed of just by having the conversations. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're doing something dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just having a conversation here right now. Um, and I think that, you know, and even empowering young girls to learn about masturbation, I think that that might sound like a bit of an edgy conversation you know it might not necessarily be the educators that are educating your kids about math and reading and that sort of thing but perhaps there's ways to actually get uh, experts to to go to help children know that this is totally normal that this is something that you do in private I think that we're probably far from there from really getting to that place right now but I do think that that could be beneficial perhaps perhaps more in, in, in education systems where there's more of a like private uh, kind of orientation. I think that maybe it'll take a while before culture changes enough to kind of mm-hmm. facilitate that. Um, but even beyond that, I would say, again, just giving children and young people 
comprehensive un, um, awareness of bodies, just their bodies, you know, and uh, uh, and we'll talk a little bit, but like, you know, for instance, I had never known that the clitoris was an internal organ until I was, you know, an adult. And it's like things like that, that you just, you know what I mean, that you, you never, you were never taught or no one close to you knew and these are so essential, I think, to being a woman and to being able to to own your boundaries, to understand how things are, how things work internally. Um, so yeah, just I think there's so many different ways, but in particular, I would say to sum it up would be education, you know, comprehensive education, both for the body and sexuality. Do you think that's why then primarily women experience a lot of shame? when it comes to talking about or even having sex? Yeah, I think, I think women are, get, are at a very young age taught that their bodies are not really their own. But we sort of, on the unconsciously, we recognize that women are sort of objects, right? We're very objectified in the media. And so that kind of entrains our brains to feel as though we don't really own our bodies and we're really meant to sort of perform and to be um, the perfect image of whatever, you know, the masculine gaze wants. And um, because this is happening in such an unconscious level, um, we're not aware of it, but then we're also simultaneously taught that we need to, you know, maintain our virginity. So we need to be both an attract, attract that, that masculine gaze and be beautiful. But then at the same time, we're taught, you gotta cross your legs, you've gotta keep, hold on to that virginity. And, you know, and so these two sort of diametrically opposed and, and unrealistic, completely not related to the experience of the flesh you know, because we're, we experience desires. I mean, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's evidence now to show that even in utero, um, that babies are masturbating. So it's something that's so intrinsic to our nature. And so I think that there's a lot of cognitive dissonance and a kind of maybe trying to toggle, you know, between these two worlds. And now that we have social media and, you know, a lot of that is you know, kind of, I think, encourages young girls to um, to seek attention because that's also natural to us. You know, as humans, as babies, what do we do? We're like, look at me, see me, right? So there's no shame in that. But then it's how we kind of try to get that attention. It's so much based on an outer kind of appearance, the outer shell. And so there's, again, so much focus on the outside and very little focus on the inside and to focus on the inside, we have to slow down. And that's something that I feel as an educator that I feel most inspired around, just really helping to invite people to the inside. And the irony is that as you do that, you empower yourself to be more confident and fully embodied in an outer world, in an outer reality. Your perceptions shift, your sense, your, your ability to perceive and sense becomes more heightened and more awakened. Lack of awareness, you know, and also lack of speaking about these topics, again, keep us inside of this sort of intrinsic shame. Um, and, you know, hopefully that is beginning to shift. I think as more voices 
um, are becoming examples and, you know, we learn from those examples. So I do think things are, are beginning to shift in that regard. Hi, Tribers. Having met you at the Smart Girl Tribe Summit, I know how much you love stationery, and I have searched high and low for a stationery brand that is empowering, inclusive, and thoughtfully designed, which is why I am so excited to share Seth Crafts. Not only will Seth Crafts handmade journals and planners help you become intentional about planning your day, but you'll be able to seamlessly track your goals, accomplishments, and even your monthly budget. I opened up in the Smart Girls Handbook about my burnout and the importance of developing a bulletproof self-care routine, and Seth Crafts has been lovingly created to achieve exactly that with zero guilt. Head to the show notes after the episode to see for yourself and as a bonus with the code SGT10, you will get a 10% discount off any product. If you were given a platform or say a stage, for example, to talk to every single young woman in the world about this topic, what are some home truths you would want to share with them? Oh, okay. Well, we've mentioned some of them already, you know, that so much of this really begins from the inside out and, and the really understanding your sexual organs, like really like Google search clitoris, Google search, understand how that interacts with your vaginal canal. It doesn't mean you have to become an anatomist or, you know, get too, too deep into the science, but just having a basic knowledge of that is number one. Number two is one of the most paradigm shifting things that I personally learned as an adult after doing many years of work in the body was really to understand that our voice, literally our physical voice is connected via a neurological plexus called the vagus nerve, which is basically a neurological plexus that bridges it's kind of like a communication pathway between the brain and our, 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 our vital organs. So our heart, our lungs, our digestive system, our intestines, and also the uterus. And there's also a connection all the way to the root um, uh, indirectly. Um, but essentially this vagus nerve also intersects the voice as well as the muscles of the face and as well as hearing, as well as ear. So it's basically, we never think, we always think about sexuality occurring below the belt. We never think about the nature of sexuality as we experience it in our smile, in in the sound of our voice, in the way we are expressing ourselves inside of our pleasure. And so one thing that women can experiment and explore is actually tapping into that connection. So while you're having sex, while you're masturbating, practice just gently humming and getting the sound into, um, in singing what's called the, the mask of the face. So just this area above the lip and kind of on the inside of the cheeks, getting your vibration in that area and allowing that vibration to also be a reflection of what your experience is inside of the moment. Think about it as a conversation between yourself and your sexuality. 
Okay, so as you do that, what you'll start to learn is that this connection is so beautiful. It's so precious. It's so, it's such a gift. And I think so many women go through their entire lives and they never know this. They think that the orgasm, and this will be another truth, number three, would be that the orgasm doesn't come from your partner. Your partner doesn't give you an orgasm. The orgasm comes from within. And so this is a this is one little tool. You know, there's more uh, ways to kind of access this, and, and breathing would be another another one. Is being able to really fully deep deepen that connection of breath, especially when things are you know starting to build. Um, the breath will change, but to kind of really try to get your breath all the way down into your genitals. Um, and then another tip would be to, um, to really practice fantasy to, and it doesn't mean that your fantasy has to align with that, which exists in the outer world. It's very common for our fantasies also to, uh, not necessarily be something that we'd be willing to play out in real life. It might not mean that you want to act that out in life, but when you give yourself permission to have this fantasy, there's a lot of evidence to show that you're actually helping to process things within your own experience and you're actually unlocking more authenticity um, uh, and you're, you know, un unlocking a wellspring of orgasmic energy um, and it doesn't need to mean anything about you. Um, but then on the flip side of that to also, you know, open up to fantasies that again may not be so typical. Uh, you know, one way to do is just close your eyes before you go to bed at night and just ask yourself the question, what turns me on? Like, what would turn me on right now? I could wave a magic wand and create a perfect sensual experience. What would that look like? And just giving yourself permission to go there um, and really access that imagination side of eroticism because it, that is so important for a woman. Um, that ability to imagine and create, you know, different kinds of uh, scenarios and, 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 and expressions, you know, and invites you to become different kinds, different aspects of yourself, right? Get to be expressed inside of that. Um, and I think the more you do that, you're, you're strengthening a kind of muscle that is maybe hard for us to understand in the science so much. It's kind of like, you know, more creative. But I think that if you do that, you will naturally feel more um, uh, inspired to explore sexuality and not, and not feel limited by it. Um, so those would be probably my top. I think that was like four or five. <laughs> mm -hmm. Talking about this inner power then and looking within and exploring yourself, how would you, being the expert, Megwin, describe or define the difference between sexuality and sensuality? You know, it's funny that you ask that question because I often don't necessarily differentiate with those so much in myself. Um, I think for me, they're sort of, um, they, they can be either one really for me, sensuality encompasses, um, obviously things that are maybe not 
necessarily related to an erotic landscape. I suppose that would be the main differentiator. Um, but that within sexuality, we also, of course, are embracing our sensuality. You know what I mean? So they're sort of interconnected, for instance, like um, the smells in the room and the feeling of the time it's warm or cold, um, the, what we're listening to, you know, whether it's an erotic music playlist, um, all of that's going to play into our experience. So, yeah, I, I tend to kind of combine those honestly within how I speak about it because I don't think that they're really separate and I feel like in some ways especially for women that perpetuates a kind of shame because they may feel more of a they might be more of a sensual sensualist and might even experience for instance there's um, studies now that are, that are about 10% of women can actually experience orgasm just by thinking um, yeah and this is, these are, you know, scientific studies that have been done and they try to understand like what is at the root of that. And so what's funny is that, yes, some women had experiences of fantasies or thinking about sexual, you know, escapades. And then for some women, they just thought about pastoral scenes, just beauty of nature or, um, or they're thinking about their chakras. And what happens is it actually has, has the capacity to trigger an orgasm which can be defined as involuntary contractions, usually of the pelvic floor, but there's also other muscles that, that can be involved as well, uterus, the diaphragm, into a feeling of bliss, right, and euphoria. So um, again, you know, looking at those experiences, there's orgasm, which we tend to focus on in relationship only to part into in that sort of partnered kind of experience, but it really can encompass you know, so many different kinds of experiences. There's even like a story that was kind of funny of a woman who had the unfortunate experience of orgasming every time she brushed her teeth. <gasps> oh my gosh. Yeah, so there's things like that that exist or, you know, and then I say unfortunate because it, it's not something that you want to experience all the time, right? There, but there's nothing inherently sexual about that. Mm. Um so, yeah, I mean, I think I tend to like, I love words and language, but I tend to try to not get too stuck in the language, you know, to kind of, you know, add that little point at the end. Yeah. And we are, as a society, inundated by sex, let's be honest, even yeah. without, you know, intention, for example, ads on television, billboards, songs today if you just listen to the top 10 charts etc and the list goes on and on and on and not to mention even things such as films that are very explicit and very open and overtly are discussing this theme what do you think Megwin's society is getting wrong when it comes to teaching women about sex yeah, I would say it goes back again to that original point. If you're focused so much on this kind of outer expression and not really focusing so much on the inner experience and how we can catalyze um, and awaken that orgasmic energy, and so much of it, I would say just to add to this point, is that for me personally, and this is something that I've seen a lot with my clients, the most intense orgasmic experiences are paralleled to 
an ability to be vulnerable, an ability to allow yourself to be um, fully embodied in your emotions and to really give that permission to not be perfect, to not compare yourself to another. So I think obviously sex sells, sex is exciting. You know, there's just something, it, 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 it connects to us on a very primal level when we do see these images. So these images do work to motivate us to buy and to seek. Um, but I think we have to push back on that and say, do I wanna feel sexually satisfied or do I wanna seek sexuality? So it's really between these two that I think what, what happens is we get caught in the seeking of pleasure, of wanting to buy that next thing that's going to make us feel sexy, um, in, in getting the likes, you know, on Instagram, on finding that perfect partner, on getting the perfect body, on having a certain type of orgasm, you know, we're very fixated on that. But what about able to have moments where you're fully satisfied where you're at peace with yourself mm. where you're literally embracing and loving yourself so deeply that nothing can shake you from that that's the power of satisfaction from orgasmic experience um, and that we don't talk about as much and um and I think we don't talk about it as much because we're afraid of feeling. Mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. So how much of sex do you think then is defined by culture? Do you think, Megwin, everyone is just walking around collectively brainwashed? Well, I definitely think culture informs us, you know, in many ways. It's again, part of our nature to want to feel accepted, to want to feel part of the tribe. You know, it's mm -hmm. really it's really like uh, encoded within our limbic system to feel, to want to feel accepted and to want to feel like we understand, you know, what's going on. Um, so yes, to, to a certain degree, I think that we are, you know, influenced. And I think it would be silly to deny that influence. Um, but I think that oftentimes there are people that tend to kind of venture outside of that. And maybe that's kind of the evolutionary principle, you know, people that say, hey, maybe we, we don't need to do it this way. We can kind of question this norm and they kind of go a different way and they start tinkering. You know, I think that that's something that we need to encourage younger people to explore, right, to actually say, to question, to learn how to question, and in a way that's also conscious, not to just question to question and to push back against something, but to ask questions in a way where you are truly, you're seeking the truth, you know, if we as a culture decided that we're going to seek the truth of understanding the nature of why we're here in the first place, and not seeking the truth in a way to become, to know something so that we can lord over others, right? Like I'm making a distinction what I'm thinking of truth. Um, but like, why are we here? What's the nature of all of this? You know? um, so I, I, I don't consider myself always completely, you know, brainwashed, but I certainly am influenced just like anybody else from mm -hmm. our culture. 
Um, and I think that, you know, there's beauty to that as well. I think that like, you know, even in terms of what we're seeing now with Britney Spears, for instance, that's kind of an interesting cultural uh, thing that's happening, you know, and, um, and I think that it's really fascinating to just kind of see how we're all being impacted by that story of, which is in a way the sort of story of the feminine, you know, which has been to kind of lock the feminine away and to control this beautiful power that she has and to kind of make her think she's crazy. You know, even the story of our sexuality is rooted in that same thing. You know, the first sexual toys or sexual devices were actually medical were, were meant to treat what's called hysteria so yes we're culturally programmed but perhaps there's there's also a power there so if we can collectively shift our perspectives that means that you know there's there's more pleasure to be had mm-hmm. in a community kind of space completely and on that note what are some blocks to women's sexuality and power do you think such as being conditioned to people please or even have the tendency to self-criticize yeah I mean I think those are definitely in the top I would say that you know we're again conditioned at a very young age in how to behave and how to perform and be feminine and part of that is to be polite and to um, not be too emotional. You know, we're all constantly told, don't be too emotional, calm down. So we're taught very, uh, very early that something is sort of wrong with those emotions um, and to kind of temper the waters of those emotions. Um, and what was the second one that you had said? I'm like having Self-criticize. Oh, right, Self. so self-criticism. Yeah, that, I think that that's, absolutely wired into us as women because it goes back to that need of need to be perfect you know being loved is so tied in with being perfect um and uh and so what we do internally is we're criticizing our actions and it starts at such a young age that it becomes just a pattern and a habit so you know we all have tendencies to doing that. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) the truth of the matter is that anything that we say to ourselves internally really impacts psychologically how we're experiencing ourselves in the world and how we act. Um, But one thing that I found to be really helpful into kind of shifting that is to have a practice where you're completely loving yourself. So it can be simple as, I love to do things right before you go to bed because I do believe that when you go into sleep, you're kind of, you're sort of feeding that subconscious brain, you know? So right before you go to sleep, uh, put a a hand on your heart, put a hand on your belly or even your sexual center and just breathe deeply and just tell yourself, I love you. Whatever it is you're experiencing, whether you're angry, whether you're jealous, whether you're feeling sad, or whether you're confused or you're in anxiety. Think about what the way you'd talk to a young child. You know, the way we speak to ourselves and our self-critic, it's like we would never, hopefully, talk to a five-year-old this way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not good. So why do we do that ourselves? So just having a practice where you're shifting that dialogue and allowing yourself to purge the emotions, right? That whatever the repressed emotions are, letting that out. And again, inside of that experience, that's the orgasmic channel. 
that we love so much. You know, we're so focused on the orgasm, but that that ability to grieve and to let go, it's mm-hmm. all part of the same channel. And beauty, true beauty, and we want to look at it on a scientific level, also springs from that, you know? Um, and so that is something that I think women need to understand is that their beauty comes from the inside out and it's so tied to this energy of vulnerability and we maybe know that on a conscious level but the only way you will ever really truly know that is through actively seeking the experience Mm -hmm. so knowing it's you know just um as an idea as one thing give yourself some some way to practice it or you know, it could also be just in sharing intimately with a partner, you know, like just look at the moments where you felt the most seen, empowered, and uh, connected with yourself. And those are going to be the moments where you're also embracing your vulnerability and you're being seen mm-hmm. for who you truly are. Yeah. Wow. And what are some questions that women can ask themselves to experience more joy when it comes to their sexual well-being yeah I think that um, a huge some questions are is where where do I need to create boundaries in order to feel free Um, am I asking for what I want you know not only in the bedroom but just in life Um, and uh, you know uh, what are my passions you know, what, what turns me on, as we were discussing before. And then why do I hold these things back from myself? What's that about? Where that where is, does that come from? What is the story behind that? Because um, awareness is power. The moment that you understand something, really understand, you're like, oh, that's why I do that. You can then have compassion for yourself to begin to flip the script might not happen overnight, but really looking at why do I think this way? Why do I think I need to be perfect before I have a partner, before I can be loved, before I can experience pleasure? You know, questions along those lines. How many women do you think, Megwin, disassociate themselves when it comes to experiencing their own sexual pleasure or even when it comes to sensuality and being vulnerable? Um, I would say, I would say many women, I don't, you know, I wouldn't have a percentage or number, but I would say that it's very common and normal, Um, you know, and Masters and Johnson had a word for it. They called it spectatoring because it's basically, you're kind of on the outside you know, looking at your experience and you're analyzing it. And again, it ties back to that, oftentimes it ties back to that perfection aspect or some kind of shame, right? Like maybe you don't deserve to have pleasure because it's dirty or wrong. Whatever the belief systems are that have kind of kept you um, chained to be able to experience your sexuality, it really takes... It's not that those thoughts are not going to arise because that is, it's very common for women to be distracted 
and that's something that um, has been scientifically explored. We just tend to get more distracted in general. Um, so we have to learn how to become more disciplined about really putting our attention on where the pleasure is being experienced and on interacting on that level and to kind of like take time with it, like know that it's something that you're learning and that it is a practice and a skill. It's not something that like, if you if you don't have this ability right now, like to know that this is something that you can learn, just like right, learning to ride a bike. Um, I would say that main thing is that the practice of self-pleasure is the best way because that's a place where you're able to really be, um, you know, safe and not necessarily feel like you're being judged, which is probably one of the number one reasons I think also people, women do tend to be in that spectator role. They're thinking mm -hmm. again about how do I look? Am I, am I expressing the orgasm enough? Right. Or what's going on with my body? Like, you know, judging our shape, whatever it is. Um, so disciplined and, selfish you know like what Esther Perel had said to really say no the magma of my true connection to my own pleasure is a gift for whoever I'm with that's actually um that's where my beauty is that's where my that's where love is that's where self-acceptance is um so but how how will any woman really know that unless she's experienced it on her own, you know? Mm -hmm. so I think in general, um, it's really important to, to encourage having that self-exploration first in some ways before you have the experience with a partner because also you may make the mistake of thinking, this partner is the one that took me to this orgasmic peak. And that's also not true, you know? And that can lock a woman from experiencing her sexual potential mm -hmm. your orgasm always comes from within certain contexts you know whether it be a person a situation a place whatever it is might have helped encourage you but that's something that you can easily recreate and also there's infinite other possibilities beyond that so getting on to that then, how can a woman have a healthy sexual relationship with herself? Oh, okay. Well, uh, I think, again, carving out time is a really important piece. So, you know, we tend to think, again, this is one of those myths that needs to be debunked, that sex only occurs in those moments of spontaneity, so we need to be spontaneously inspired to, whether it's you know being with our partner, exploring sex with our partner, or whether it's even exploring ourselves, that it always has to be this spontaneous thing in the moment. But the reality is, and this is scientifically ex been explored, is that most women are actually responsive in their desire. That yes, spontaneous desire occurs and it oftentimes occurs at the early stages of a relationship when we're like basically on drugs, on love drugs. Um, and, and then for men, oftentimes that is where they get most of their sort of desire spontaneous. But in relationship to women, it's in general, it's mostly responsive and also contextual, meaning situational. So we tend to be a blend though of these three 
you know? Um, so I really believe in carving out time and creating the situation for arousal to occur. Like what's going to make you feel sexy? What I, I mean, for me, I love exploring in the bathtub. I love feeling enveloped by the warm water and maybe playing some music, throwing in some bath salts. But for another person, it might be, um, you know, just getting, putting on lingerie and feeling sexy and doing a, a practice of sensual massage for the body. And so again, that so you have to go back to your own selves. What, what do I need? What does my body need actually to become more open and receptive to? And uh, and then to experiment, to tinker, you know, with those tools. Um, whether there's a great resource for women that if they want to just explore more, just using their hands, there's a great resource called OMG Yes, which also goes into not just um, masturbation practices, but also uh, internal practices with uh, sexual uh, devices like we have with Satisfier. And then just to highlight some of the products that we have that I'm so proud of, which I know are so effective, uh, we're best known for our AirPulse technology. And so, and the main product that's probably most widely known is the Satisfier Pro 2, which works with pressure waves, um, air pulse stimulation to indirectly stimulate the clitoral glands, which is basically concentration of 8,000 nerve endings. And this is just the outer piece because then the, the inner clitoris, I have my little clitoris here, <laughs> I can show you, right, extends inside and it consists of the, the um, vestibular bulbs and also the cura, and this is all erectile tissue. And so what the air pulse does is it awakens the sensitivity of those nerves and allows it to not be overly stimulated because a lot of women can be very sensitive here. So sometimes with touch, the clitoris goes in tidy. So those are, those are some really fun ways, but again, make it your own and um, make it a goal once a week. <laughs> Or, or or do like a marathon even, like say, ooh, what would it be like if I just explored, you know, my pleasure for the next seven days, you yeah. know, what would be different? So just experiment and tinker and definitely carve out the time. I love that. Thank you for sharing and about the products too. Yeah. I would love to know, is there a reference to what a real orgasm looks like? Because there are plenty of terrible references out there yeah um that's an interesting question I think that um it's a hard one because you know we never really want to to first firstly it, in the realm of science you know there is no one singular way you know to, to have an orgasm so there's so many different ways we express it um so I would say that I don't I don't really have any kind of example or sort of reference point. Um, there are some, you know, very interesting studies out there if you want to learn about uh, the brain, because that's really where orgasm is experienced. So there's some really fascinating MRI studies uh, done by Barry Komisarek, who wrote, uh, and also Beverly Whipple wrote the book, uh, Science of Orgasm. And uh, basically, they were able to kind of map in a way um, where the orgasm is experienced in the brain. Because that's actually the, the truest expression of what we would understand orgasm to be. Because it's not, it's felt in ways in the body, you know, really where it shows up is also manifests in how the brain becomes activated. Mm. Wow. And could you discuss 
Megwin, anything you'd like to share about orgasms and the most common orgasms and anything in between? Well, God, we've covered so much. I mean, one of the main things, again, just to reiterate, is that, you know, I would say that the clitoris is gen- generally always activated, whether you're touching it or not. So we tend to kind of talk about clitoral orgasms, vaginal orgasms, um, G-spot orgasms. But what we're really talking about there is the orgasms that um, uh, occur after we've stimulated those parts. Ultimately, an orgasm is an orgasm is an orgasm. So however you get there, it's all legitimate. And then two more questions, Megwin. What is your favorite quote or the mantra you live by? I am the divine self that I am now. And then finally, what books or podcasts on this subject would you recommend to our audience? One that I love, which I think is just such an incredible book, which is maybe it's not so focused on sexuality, but I would say it's an incredible book to really understand the... um, how our psyches are influenced through our bodies and it's called The Body Keeps the Spore by Basil, Basil van der Kolk. Um, mm-hmm. And that, so that's one. Um, another one which is really easy read and I think very accessible, uh, really great for women to read is Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Um, and then another really, this one is a little, maybe, little denser. Um, I love Natalie Angier's book called Woman. Um, and that book uh, is is maybe a little bit heavier in terms of like talking about anatomy, but she does it in such a full poetic way that I always I, I just find that book so inspiring. Um, another great book is She Comes First by Ian Kerner, and this is actually a great resource to give to if you have a male partner to give it to your male partner because it's about the power of oral sex and um and really like a guidebook to how to be really good at that and that's a great book but either for men or for women to read Mm because you learn so much um that my but i'm leaving the sort of the best book i'd say for last my favorite book right now in terms of like female sexuality and understanding anatomy which i highly highly recommend is um, Woman's Anatomy of Arousal by Sherry Winston. It is such a good book and she writes so beautifully, great sense of humor. There's wonderful illustrations in that book. And just so you know, finding good illustrations of female anatomy is not always so easy. Mm. So that's an incredible resource. Um, And she goes into the history, like why we think about women have sort of roles and sort of where what that history is so that's a really cool book podcasts um i'm still learning about podcasts right now but one two that i really like are sexual wellness podcasts uh by laura ellen and then also sex with dr jess uh with dr jessica o'reilly so those are two really great podcasts Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Megwin, for coming onto the podcast. It's been a really insightful and fascinating conversation. I always find it talking about this particular topic very empowering because it's still considered fairly taboo. So to know that we've been able to cultivate a space to have this conversation, I've thoroughly enjoyed. So thank you. 
I have as well. This has been such a pleasure. And, you know, I hope that your audience is inspired to really hopefully spark some conversations, you know, from some of the things that you've shared. Thank you for listening to the Smart Girl Tribe podcast. I am your host, Scarlett V. Clark, award-winning founder and CEO of Smart Girl Tribe, the UK's number one female empowerment organization, host of this top-rated podcast, the Smart Girl Tribe podcast, and author. You are my community, my family, so come and follow along for more female empowerment and personal development in our private Facebook group, the Smart Girl Tribe Society, or on Twitter or Instagram at Smart Girl Tribe.